0: Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today is part 1 of the book of Genesis, chapter 2. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Welcome everyone to our discussion of Genesis chapter 2. Last week we had in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So we saw that title, God as creator. The earth was without form and void and he created from absolute nothingness. We call it ex nihilo. Darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and god said god said and in saying god spoke the word and the word started it all so god's word is powerful and mighty and god's word is a person in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and he jesus was in the beginning with god all things were made through him through jesus christ and without jesus not anything was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And we talked about the uncreated light of God, the preexistent light of God, the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And we talked about day one light, uncreated light, unchangeable light. And we talked about the Trinity from the first sentence of the Bible, the Trinity All three being involved in creating, in the creative work of God. And you might recall the ordering of the days, and we saw that first day light was day one, was different than fourth day light of the sun. And we noticed something missing. We said, Where were the angels? When were the angels created? And St. Augustine helped us figure that out. He had the same question and answered it in his book, City of God, book number 11, chapter 9. And he told us that it was day one where God separated light from darkness. The separation of light from darkness. Day one, light, uncreated, unchangeable light of God, is different than day four, light of the sun. And God cannot create evil because he only creates good. And so when the angels fell, he said this was the fall of the angels. And it's when God separated. He didn't create evil, but on their free volition, on their free will, they chose evil and he separated light from darkness. Remember that Satan, the devil, his name was Lucifer. He was a light bearer. That's what his name means. He had that light of God at one time and he now is a fallen angel, but he was a created creature of God. And the greatest showdown ever in all of world history was the showdown between light and dark, Jesus and Satan. And we learned last year in Luke 22 that Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was a number of the 12. And John tells us that during the Last Supper, the devil already had put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus Christ. And Satan entered into Judas, and he betrayed our Lord. That night, did Jesus have to go through with it? Jesus himself said in Matthew 26, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? 12 legions of angels were at his disposal. One Roman legion is 6,000 angels. 12 legions times 6,000 would be 72,000 angels. We know from our Isaiah study in Isaiah 37 that the angel of the Lord went forth and slew, one angel slew 185,000 Assyrians in one night. So if you have 72,000 angels times 185,000 killed by each angel, though they could kill up to 13,320,000,000 angels, which is twice the number of people living on the earth right now. So what we're saying is Jesus did not have to serve the Father's plan like that. He could have had those angels at his disposal. Jesus did not have to serve God's plan. That's on Freedom from Jesus. Nor did the angels have to serve God's plan because angels are very powerful, created spirits. They're real, they're invisible, they're unseen realities. The highest of the invisible realities is named Lucifer. He's thought to be a seraphim by most scholars. The word seraphim from the Hebrew means seraph literally burning ones. The seraphs have six wings to protect their faces, two to protect their torsos. What are they being protected from? That extreme brilliant light, the brilliant light of being the closest to God's presence. They have to shield their bodies and their eyes. Seraphs are the closest to the throne of almighty God. And Lucifer, the word means light. Bearer. He was most likely a high Seraphim angel, maybe the highest, the firstborn of the spirit creations residing closest to God. The supreme angel in the choir of Seraphim, the highest, most beautiful Seraphim angel, the firstborn and most beautiful of all God's spirit-based, not light-based creations. And Lucifer saw himself, thought of himself as the firstborn son of all God's creation. Not knowing yet that God had another son, another pure spirit son, another pure spirit son who was not created like he was. Ah, an uncreated spirit son who had supremacy over him. What? Who was not only pure, uncreated spirit, but also of the exact same essence as God, consubstantial with the Father of the same being as God. And Satan didn't like that, and he was envious of that. And wisdom, too, tells us that it was through the devil's envy that death entered the world. Not just that, but also Jesus was going to take on human creature flesh to redeem a creation called Creatures humans, us. Hebrews 1 says, in many and various ways, God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Jesus reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp of God's nature, upholding the universe by his word of power. And when Jesus had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has been obtained is more excellent than theirs." causing Lucifer further envy. Jesus' name is above all names. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God made his plan known to all the angels. Lucifer could not handle this plan and he could not serve this plan. The Logos, Is the name a title of Jesus Christ? It's a pre-existent title for the second person of the Trinity. Pre-existent, not created, not begotten, not made. Jesus is the Logos, the plan of salvation for human creatures before the beginning of time in the Father's mind's eye. God always had this plan. It was not plan B. It's plan A all along for God. But... God, outside of the beatific vision, showed the angels his logos, his plan. And God's own divine personhood was going to join the personhood of human flesh. And Jesus Christ, though consubstantia with the Father, would not think equality with God something to be grasped. And although he was God, he would humble himself to become the lowliest of human creatures, a human baby, allowing even human creatures to cooperate in God's saving plan. Like a 13-year-old Jewish girl, another person of God, the Holy Spirit, would overshadow a young creature named Mary, and her full consent would make her womb an actual dwelling place where God the Almighty could dwell within a human. God in the second person would take on her human DNA, that of a young Jewish human creature girl, and God in the second person would be birthed in the most lowly way in a stable with animal straw and hay in a manger, passing through the girl's birth canal as light passes through glass yet not breaking the glass. Although he was fully God, he would join fully into human nature, take on human creature flesh, live in Podunk, Nazareth, Israel, work in a carpenter shop, live at home for 30 years, go on a three-year mission to save the entire human race for all time, even you here tonight. And even though he was sin-free, he would submit to a baptism for sinners. Paul told us God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. You're the righteousness of God through him. Jesus would teach, he would preach, he would heal, and he would forgive sin. And that's what got him in the most trouble because only God can forgive sin, right? Yeah, right. And every single gospel would record how he could multiply bread. He could multiply bread like you wouldn't believe everyone could eat till they were fully satisfied and there still be baskets left over, 12. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, the worst death, death on a cross. And Hebrews 2 14 says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same nature that through death, he might destroy him who has the power of death. That is the devil. Jesus shattered that on the cross. He shattered sin on the cross. He vanquished. He crushed the head of Satan. And then he shattered death when he rose from it in the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. Jesus delivered all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage, freed us, and he finished the mission perfectly. He opened the gateway back to the Father for all. He ascended back to the right hand of the Father and he sat down because his work of redemption was finished. And he rested near the right hand of the Father. But then they unleashed together the Holy Spirit, the perfection of their love, eternally spirated into another person of the exact same essence. The third person of the Trinity unleashed their own spirit of love and life On and into humanity. The one flesh spiritual union of spirit and humanity conceived and gave birth to the church, which is the bride of Christ. Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. It's a one flesh union, a body, a mystical body. He's the head, we're the body. It's a one flesh body. And each member could become a temple of the living God themselves and be showered with his gifts from on high the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All 120 there that day were full of the Holy Spirit of God, 12 times 10 of fullness of all those there to go out to the world and to baptize and be again filled with the Holy Spirit, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to be confirmed. You went forward on your own as a young adult and you were confirmed again and the gifts of the Holy Spirit were poof infused into you. And because of her wholehearted yes, his mother too would one day be crowned as queen mother of earth and of all human creatures, of all humanity. All humanity are her children. And upon her death, she would be assumed body and soul into the highest heaven to give her children hope. That we will do the same thing that we will be assumed into heaven one day and be given a glorified body one day and we will live forever with her and jesus and the angels and the saints and the trinity that those who are obedient would one day do the same she was swept up body and soul into the beatific vision of the almighty god and there in heaven mary was also crowned queen of heaven crowned by the triune God and her coronation as a virgin queen mother with all the saints and all the angels around her. She says in the scriptures, all generations will call me blessed in the inerrant scripture. She knows that all saints and angels would honor her forever, that she would sit at the right hand of Jesus and Jesus the divine would lower himself to this human flesh for one reason and one reason alone. You and my salvation. That's why he did all this for you and for me. He had this in his mind's eye since the beginning of time to take us back to the divine, the divine nature so we could partake again of the divine nature. We were born with the image and likeness of God, but we got separated from him at birth by our original DNA that we inherited from our parents of original sin. So this is a crazy, crazy plan. Did that just sound like a crazy plan? And that's truth. Because Jesus took on human flesh, human creatures would once again partake in divine nature of God that we had lost. It's beautiful, beautiful, crazy plan who could make this up. Lucifer didn't like the plan. He hated the plan. He would minister to humans for their salvation? You've got to be kidding me. And he hated that a human woman would be raised higher than himself in the heavenly realm. It's his envy, his pride and his envy. God asked the angels what they thought of this divine plan. And with full knowledge and free will, God asked, will you serve my plan? Now, he asked the angels that, but he also asked each one of us here tonight the same exact question. He has a plan for each of our lives. You know the plans I have for you, says the Lord not for your destruction. He says, will you serve my plan? Bernadette, will you? And Mickey, will you serve my plan? Will you serve my plan? Jim, Bob, will you serve my plan? Aquinas writes about the angels and he tells us that the angels were not within the beatific vision of God when they were shown this plan of God. Why? They could not have been inside the beatific vision when they saw this plan because if they had been in the beatific vision, their freedom to choose would have been impossible because once you've made it into the heart of love itself, you would not choose anything else to ever leave that place. The beatific vision, in the beatific vision, there is no possible way to sin. Did you know that? You've made it. If you make it there, you have made it. You know, the beatific vision is right in the center there and purgatory purges us and cleanses us of all that stuff. But once you get there, there's no way to sin because you're swept up into the heart of love itself. And that's what rest is. That's what Sabbath rest is. That's the ultimate in the eschaton. The eschatological Sabbath rest is when you've made it inside the heart of the Trinity. That's where rest is. And I just was praying this this week and I thought, oh, our prayer, eternal rest, grant unto them, O Lord. We say this when someone dies, eternal rest. We want them in that heart of the beatific vision, eternal rest, grant unto them, O Lord, and let what? Perpetual light shine around them. Oh, that's the uncreated light. Oh, that's that light we learned about last week. Let perpetual light forever shine upon them. That's being in the heart of the Trinity. And may the souls of all the faithful departed. They've been faithful. They've walked with God. They've walked in the light. Through the mercy of God, may they what? Rest in peace. Amen. And that rest is the ultimate Sabbath rest. Because that is the eternal covenant that God wants to have with us. For all eternity. Entering into his rest. That's the truest Sabbath rest. All the work of our life is done. We've worked for the Lord our whole entire life. And now it's time to rest in his heart, in his love. We enter into God's perpetual light forever. This eternal covenant of love existing forever in that absorption of love. That's rest. Does that sound good? That sounds real good. Outside the beatific vision, the angels had complete freedom to choose. Okay, so they see God's plan, and they have complete, complete, complete freedom because he's blessed them with free will, each and every one of them. They are not puppets operated by God. They have free will. And he asked them, will you serve my plan? Same question to us. Lucifer stood before the Lord God, and he refused to serve God's plan. I will not serve. In free will, seeing everything, I will not serve with full knowledge, full freedom, full intelligence of the plan of God. And one third of the angels in full knowledge and full freedom echoed, we will not serve God's plan. One third went with him that day. And Michael, the archangel, stood forward whose name means who is like God. It's a rhetorical question because no one is like God. Because Michael knew God alone is holy and God alone is Lord and God alone is the most high God. Who is like God? And Revelation 12, seven says, now a war arose in heaven and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. But they were defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and the angels were thrown down with him. And that's day one when God separated the light from the dark. I love this old painting. You see them falling. That's a different light an uncreated light different than day four in the day of the sun. The separation of light from darkness because God does not create evil. On their own volition, the fall of the angels occurs. And Jesus told the apostles that he remembered that very day. And we learned it in Luke 10 last year when Jesus said, I watched Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Revelation says his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. One third of those symbolic stars were fallen angels who sided with Lucifer. And they also fell from the heavens that day. And they still to this day are called demons. And when Jesus started his ministry, especially in Mark's gospel, we see him casting out numerous demon after demon after demon because Satan was ruling the world. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child. That he might devour her child the day she brought it forth. And why does he want to do that? We'll learn next week in Genesis 3.15. He wants to devour her child, the offspring of woman. He wants to devour her child the day she brings it forth. She brought forth a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. That was the ascension. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. Because if you remember in John's gospel at the cross, Jesus gave John his mother. He said, here is your mother. And the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. Who's that? Who has the eagle? Which one? John. The woman is given to John and he takes her to the wilderness. Where's that? Ephesus. Turkey. The woman was given the two wings of the great eagle that she might fly from the serpent and into the wilderness. And there's her house to this day. And the dragon was angry with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony to Jesus. Who's that? Ah! That's us. The rest of her offspring, those who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony to Jesus, he is mad. He got duped. He got his head crushed the day of the cross, and he's angry. He hates this woman. Now she's the head of the heavenly host that was supposed to be his position. He envies her. He envies Jesus, and he wants her offspring and our Pope Peter says, be sober and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And Pope Leo Thirteenth, after Mass one time, had a very powerful vision. He sat down with pen and paper and wrote the St. Michael, the archangel prayer, protect us against the wickedness and snares of the devil. Cast into hell, Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls to this day. There's much spiritual warfare and we have to know the enemy. You must know his tactics and his strategies. He's a liar and you have to know how he operates so you can fight against him. It's a battle. And if you think that Lucifer doesn't exist, then you are already believing his first lie. And Jesus himself said he's a murderer from the beginning. He has nothing to do with the truth. There's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks according to his own nature because he's a liar and the father of all lies. So on day one, God separated the light from the darkness, one third dark, two thirds light. And St. Paul says this, no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He's not, he's an angel of darkness. He once was an angel of light, and he still likes to disguise himself like that. True light from true light came into the world at the time of the incarnation. Jesus Christ, uncreated, unchangeable light, the preexistent logos of God, God's almighty plan, plan A all along. True light from true light, begotten, not made, consubstantial, one in being with the Father. The Jewish rabbis taught that God placed some of his uncreated, unchangeable light in to Torah because the word lights our way. The word of the Bible lights our way. And, And the psalmist wrote, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Some of that uncreated light of God in his word. And the Jews also believed that some of that unchangeable uncreated light would be found in the Messiah when he came one day. Was it? In him was life and the life was the light of men written by Jewish John, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus said himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So he is that light. And as for the angels, they are an unseen reality. The Catechism at 328 says the existence of the spiritual non-corporeal beings that sacred scripture usually calls angels is a truth of our faith. As purely spiritual creatures, angels have intelligence and will. They are personal and immortal creatures, surpassing in perfection all visible creatures. I can see you guys. You're visible. They surpass you in perfection. Because of their splendor and their glory, it bears witness. And the whole church benefits from the mysterious and powerful help of the angels. They help us when we don't even know. And in her liturgy, the church joins with the angels to adore the thrice holy God. When we pray, holy, 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 the the priest says, and so with the company of angels and saints, we sing the hymn of your praise as without end we acclaim. And we all say, holy, 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 the the thrice holy. Also at funerals, the church invokes the assistance of the angels. May the angels lead you into paradisio. And we celebrate feast days for angels like they're coming up soon. Michael and Gabriel and Raphael and the archangels and the guardian angels as well. So a feast day for the guardian angels, Paul V in 1608 made a feast day for the guardian angels. We each have one. And, and uh, Pope Leo the 13th, wrote the michael the archangel prayer raised the guardian angel prayer uh, feast day to make it a major double feast in the church so the creation of god we discussed the uh the hexameron which is the six days hexa six six days of creating and something really amazing happened on day six us humans God said, let us, plural, make man in our image. He's talking to the Trinity after our likeness. And let them have dominion over everything. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, told them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over everything. And it was so. And God saw everything he had made and behold, it was man very good the only thing he said very good about that was day six that was part one of the book of genesis chapter two on seeking truth with sharon doran to learn more about seeking truth bible studies visit seekingtruth.net tune in next time for more seeking truth with sharon doran